What's up guys, this is Sean and welcome to another episode of the Eheng Podcast And today we will answer a question from email This is from King Leong Hi Eheng, I have recently stumbled upon your YouTube channel via one of your property reviews Which I thought was brilliant And then further stumbled upon your asking Sean Which is even more brilliant <laughs> Thanks for making these videos and great sharing I have a question regarding how to maximize my profit via reduction of tax. While I am not against paying tax as it is every Malaysian's duty to be paying it, however, I do want to make sure that I am not paying for it unnecessarily where I can put my money to better work. So I have a condo in Shah Alam at a price of 450000 using a semi-flexi loan signed in 2014 but only yields around 1.3,000 in rental, which is not the greatest in ROI. And its property price never appreciated, but never mind lah. Bought already. Sell also rugi all the legal fees I paid when purchasing it. Plan to keep it for long so that eventually the insurance component will decrease and I will be making profit. I saved all my money and keep on dropping it into a semi-flexi loan to offset the interest. True enough, I started to make a profit from my rental back in 2017 after deducting various expenses like maintenance fees and bank interest. But as years went by, I noticed that I will need to pay more and more tax and I feel that I can put my money to better use. My tax bracket is 24%, so for every ringgit I earn, I pay a quarter in tax. Recently, when I make calculation, even if I withdraw all my money from the semi-flexi loan, the interest portion is still not big enough to just ngam ngam break even with my profit and it will get worse as years pass by. So that is the long context. Lah. My questions are, number one, is refinance a viable strategy? I plan to refinance my condo so that I can pay more interest to the bank and get the cash from it to do something else. But I think still need to pay the whole load of lawyer fees and stamp duty just like when purchasing a property, right? I found that there are many zero moving cost refinance offers from other banks. How does those work? Really got such a good deal meh? Or there are hidden costs in those schemes? Number two, I heard something called loan consolidation. What are those? Can I consolidate like three properties into a single loan or something like that? Number three, is there any other viable strategies to be reducing tax in a legal way? I hope that you do get a chance to read my email and thanks for answering them. Cheers, bro. So thank you very much, King Leong, for the very sophisticated uh, <laughs> question. So this is about tax. And uh, first of all, forms of rental collected, if you're a landlord right, or you're a property investor, it is also considered taxable income. And let's say one year is 2000 right? It's 24000 extra on top of your income. Kind of think of it, right? 2000 is already more than the minimum wage of Malaysia already. But anyway, this audience explained that one of his property in Shah Alam, he bought 450000 So in 2014, the installment amount is higher than the rental amount. So cannot break even. So he keeps putting in money, right? Into the loan account. So the amount of interest actually drops. Because a lot of people don't know this, the interest, right, of your loan amount is actually tabulated daily come back to that later then after that in 2017 finally he starts making money so when he declared then suddenly he thinks that it's a waste of effort because now I whatever earnings I have right all pay to income tax only so is there any way such as like refinancing or loan consolidation and etc coming back to the installment part right there's two portions to your installment that you pay every month so there's one called the principal amount and that's one that is called the interest amount and for the first five years right almost up to 95% of whatever monthly installment you pay all goes to the interest portion only so sometimes right, when you want to sell your house in five years time right and you want to settle the loan right and you, when you look into your loan amount 
the same one. <laughs> Maybe a few thousand bucks, that's about it. Because that's how banks make money. La. So a lot of people go around asking whether there's a myth of you taking a loan, right? Let's say the house is 500,000, but in 30 years time, right, you're actually paying 1 million. Is it true? Yes. <laughs> because that's the only way that you can afford to buy a house. Ma. If you want the best deal, you buy cash. La. Nobody's stopping you. Then as the interest is tabulated daily, semi-flexi loans or flexi loans in the market, right? Means you can pump in money whenever you have extra. So let's say your installment per month is 1,200, right? But you decide to put in 2,000 every month. So the amount of interest is actually less because it's tabulated on how much you owe the bank at that particular moment of calculation. Then as wage earners, like for us that actually makan gaji one, right? There's nothing much we can do but to save more and just pump into the account until year four, year five. Then finally, when the loan amount is reduced, hence the interest also reduced, then the rental also increased slightly, then suddenly you start to break even. And this is one point of view that I find very interesting as well. A lot of people like to buy, of course, ideally, the property must break even or even positive cash flow right from the start I buy, lah, right? That's the best case scenario. I don't need to do anything, don't need to make over, don't need to tidy up the house. Just that I buy there, I rent out, right? Straight away, got positive cash flow. Who don't want, right? But deals of such are pretty rare to come by. Hence, sometimes I will settle like for properties that I need to cough out a little bit, which means like rental can be 1,005, but my installment is actually 1,009, 1,008. This is partly because of the first 10%. La. So if you really want to look for good rental yield properties, right? Sub-sales tend to be a better place to find because of certainty. The rental is fixed. The selling price is fixed. If you were to go to like new new properties, then you need to add in all the discount, discount portion, and then your price get inflated. So whatever amount that you're paying for installment, right, is not the real amount. But even if you buy already and you get the keys, now you ran out, right, you cannot break even from year one, it's okay. So as long as the math is calculated, and tabulated in your risk tolerance, then I think it's fine. Let's say I'm aware that every month I need to pay 500 extra for this property, but in year five, year six, then it will start to break even because rental tend to go up or as or I start saving money to pay off the loan to knock off some of the interest, right? That is also one of the strategy because not every day we come by excellent deals, right? So when you are about to declare your income, right? There's a period of don't know which five years when there's a window of properties that you buy, you are allowed to claim the interest paid. But this is as an individual. So you can actually take away some of the expenses to really reduce the amount being taxed, right? But this is one of the reasons why when you have a portfolio of properties, it makes sense sometimes to actually put into a company setting. So as an individual, you'll be taxed up to 26%. Then as a company, there's a cap of 24 and then you can actually write off like salary, write off things, write off that. So that's something to consider if you're actually growing your property portfolio. His first question, right? Actually refinancing. Is it a viable strategy? I think it's viable if you know what to do with the money, which means now, let's say 450, right? After five or 10 years, now left, 380,000, okay? Then the property value actually increased a little bit, lah, siu lah, right? 10% into 500,000. So if you were to refinance today, you push 500,000 into the bank. The bank says that, okay, now it's 500,000, you can refinance up to 80% only. So it means you can only take 400,000 out of 500,000. So that 400,000, right? Minus off your 380,000, you can take out 20,000 only. So it's 20,000 worth all the other paperwork that you mentioned or not. That's really up to personal, right? But there are also ways on refinancing where when banks, ultimately it's a business, right? So they will compare rich against each other. What happened to my dad's property is he transferred from one 
bank to the other bank but the loan tenure period got reduced so this property now maybe left like 500,000 in 15 years right but then if I were to transfer to this other bank the installment amount stays the same but the loan period get reduced into 10 years you will pay five years less provided the installment amount stays the same because for people who hold property like more than seven to eight years right generally your installment amount becomes less and less because the amount that you owe the bank becomes less and less another reason to refinance is when you have have a difference in interest rate. So this is generally what the banks play about. They play either with time, the loan tenure, or they play with interest rates. So for those who sign up fixed loan, then uh, so it's a pretty sucky decision if you combat now because now the interest rates are just very very attractive for investors so if you have a loan amount you can just call to any other banks what they will do is they will actually just come back with a proposal ultimately because everyone has a kpi so it depends what i can offer to you to make you refinance lah. and most of the time all the loan legal fees and valuation fees and things like that right can be absorbed into the new loan amount right? so i don't think there's any expenses for you well not cash lah, but it's under your loan amount lah. then number two consolidation it's when you actually put in different types of loan into to one so there are certain banks where they do that it means you can add in your credit card you can add in your housing loan you can add in your personal loan then all they tabulate right then they will give you a new amount so every month you just pay that amount which is very convenient so it's a better rate as well so when you ask like can you consolidate three properties into one Yes, you can, provided their market value is way higher than whatever they bought. Again, whatever refinancing or consolidation, right, is only when you have a margin of difference between the purchase price and the market price today, then only they will make sense. If you buy a property that's 500000 10 years later, it's worth 480000 It actually drops, right? That's nothing to refinance. Let's say you really owe the bank only 400000 right? you can only take 80% of it. So when you can take 80% out of 500000 it's only 400000 but you still owe the bank 80000 so you cannot refinance. Huh? But this is a very interesting topic when you have, for example, you have massive personal loan debts or you have massive debit card debts. Okay, so what a lot of people do, especially business people, those innovative hustlers, right? What we will do is I will go and refinance my property. Let's say my property in Puchong, 400000 I bought 300000 now worth 500000 I go refinance, take out 400000 pay off the 300000 I get that surplus of 100000 Yes, my installment amount today is calculated based on the 400000 no longer the 300000 but I get 100000 extra in cash. So this cash, I can use it to roll for my business expenses at a housing loan rate instead of a business loan rate. Or I use it to settle my credit card debts, which is like 16 to 18% a year interest, but at a housing loan, which is actually 4%. However, the worst thing is to actually get a housing loan to settle PTPTN and don't. Because PTPTN is actually 1% interest, your housing loan is around 4% today. So that's one way of using refinance. The other way is to raise funds. Now I got no money, but there's a property deal that I see that's very, very attractive what can i do again same scenario but in this twist is i will determine how much i take out or refinance from the bank based on my current rental rates so now this property is already cash flow positive every month i'm earning like 300 extra so i will reverse calculate based on the rental amount because around three to four hundred ringgit more I can loan up another 100,000. For example, this property 500,000, my money installment is now only 1,005 because I bought several years back. But my rental that I can collect is actually 2,000 per month. So I got 500 extra per month. So what I will do, current loan amount with the bank is only like 300 over 1,000. 
let's say 300,000 for ease of calculation, right? What I can do now is to tabulate the installment based on the new rental rate, the, the current rental rate, which is 2,500. So 2,500 allows me to take up a loan up to 600,000, for example. So I'll take out that amount, refinance it, and I'll take out that sum of cash out, right? But the property still stays at a break-even stage between the installment and the rental rate. So I can cash out without actually paying extra every month. So this is another safer or wiser strategy on how to use refinancing. For me, I also consolidate my loans. Um, I will put Miss Catherine's number below. She helped me a lot on my property investment portfolio and things like that. So do contact her. However, with products of such, right, always ask what's the catch. The catch is always on the MRTA and the MLTA, so the insurance part. Generally, this is one of the highest profit margin product or the highest commission product for the salesperson like, instead of the loan. So after they sell you loan, they will need to sell you or earn your money based on the extra attachment of insurance. Well, it's not a scam or a trick. It's just business, right? They will give you all these benefits. Takkan, they want to make something, right? They will always be somebody settling this bill. Man, man. Then about tax, I know it's not ethically correct, but a lot of people, not everyone declares their rental income. One of my mentors taught me before, um, like now, I'm proud to pay tax because I will need to justify my credit. I'll need to justify my value to the bank so I can buy more. Until you have sufficient and you want to pull handbrake, you know what? That's enough for me. 25 properties is enough for me. And I call it quit. So I will slowly reduce or engineer the accounts. Lah. Because when you have numbers, right, only you can somewhat manipulate the numbers or things like that. But you still pay your general income statements. Ma. Because currently, I'm not too sure whether my engagement of property management companies or my tenancy management companies, right, whether their expenses can be knocked off my income. Because if you're an individual, right, there's nothing much you can do. Whatever income that goes to your bank there's no way to justify expenses that kind of all my petrol i can claim somebody cannot so my advice is if there's any tax consultant or tax expert watching this right do share your contact below so people can engage you or your services right because i think this is a next level kind of question not buying anymore is how to like maximize your tax and profits so thank you very much again for sharing your question with us and i hope that answers for those who still have any questions regarding real estate do just email me at t-a-n-i-h-e-r-n-g t-a-n-i-h-e-r-n-g at gmail.com or you can just dm me i-h-e-r-n-g on instagram and i'll see you on the next one ciao